0: Amen. Amen. It is good to be back with you today. If you've been gone the last couple of weeks on vacation or whatever, you may not know that I've been gone for the last few weeks on vacation or whatever. And so you might have just completely missed it. If that's the case, you can ignore um, what I'm about to say. But it is good to be back. We were gone for uh, a couple weeks. And as we were gone, I I just want to say a couple of thank yous. Um, before we get started today. First, I want to just say thank you to you all. Um, When we got away, we got away for uh, two weeks. The first week, uh, the kids, uh, Claire and Asher, got to go to Grammy's house and have a vacation with Grammy. And we got to have a vacation from, how do I say this? Liz and I got to have a vacation together uh, and do those things that we knew the kids would not enjoy. Uh, We're big history nerds, and so we did history nerd kind of things. We went off to Kansas, Hutchinson, Kansas, went to the Cosmosphere there. That was incredible. And then we went and did some other museum stuff, stuff that would have been boring for kids. We went and just spent a week, Elizabeth and and me, together. And then we swung back through the area, picked up the kids, and did the things that we knew families would enjoy together. And so we got to spend a week, just the two of us, and then a week with us as a family. So we got two weeks off. And as part of that, I just wanted, the reason why I want to say thank you is, if you don't know, um, pastoring is a 24-7 kind of job. And as part of that, my brother is an electrical engineer, and he always tells me, every time he sees me, he goes, man, pastoring is such a sweet gig. You work one day a week, and you all drive Lexuses. And I'm like, what church do you see? I want that job. And um, so 24-7, so I was able to, uh, as part of that, that's not the way it works, for those of you who are wondering. That's not the way it works. So as part of that, I was able to disconnect, unplug, get away, and spend some time uh, just completely. We turned off all notifications, literally turned off all notifications on our phones and everything except for phone calls. I have not checked my emails, even text messages, I've not checked in a while now. So if people wanted to get in touch with me, there was like the emergency phone call kind of a situation. And so when I say we unplugged, we unplugged. And, and as part of that, I'm thankful to you all for uh, letting us do that and getting, giving us an opportunity to get away and to decompress and, and uh, just not think about this for a little bit. And so that was such, such a blessing. So restorative. It was just good. Um, So I want to say thank you to you all. I also want to say thank you to the staff who, uh, while we were gone, took care of everything. Tomorrow I'm getting back into the emails, turning notifications back on. But even this morning, I came in this morning and I was talking to uh, Pastor Caleb and he told me a few of the things that happened while we were gone. And I had no idea. And I'm like, wow, I am so glad I was gone these last two weeks. (laughs) Because that was just awesome. And they not only held down the fort, they did it excellently. And, and so I'm just, I'm blessed by the staff here at Praise Assembly for holding down the fort. They didn't reach out to me one time or contact me once. Or if they did, they did it via email and I had no idea. So uh, that was good too. And so I also want to say one big final thanks to Pastor Nathan and Pastor Caleb uh, for holding down the pulpit. I guess the figurative pulpit. Um, because uh, when you get away as a pastor and um, you're out, um, you always got to wonder what's being said right here on that Sunday. And so there's a lot of weight on your shoulders as you're kind of wondering what's going on. And so this last week, as they were taking the pulpit for me, I didn't even have to worry about that at all. And now don't get me wrong, I listened to them right after on, on the website to make sure there was nothing heretical that was said or anything. No, I'm just kidding. No heretical. Um, But I listened to them, excellent messages, and now that you guys are used to young, amen. Now that you're used to young, skinny guys with good-looking hair, welcome back, Pastor Allen. But really, big thank you to them for not only holding it down, but I listened to the messages and excellent words, good stuff, appreciate you guys, and appreciate you guys, and being able to trust you with that. That's an incredible blessing uh, to us. As well, and and also the staff told me this morning, I came in, I had no idea what was happening this morning, and they told me. Um You just come in and you just preach. And we'll take care of everything else. And so what a great way to come back to a baptism service and to worship together. I mean, I don't think it gets any better than that. That's awesome. What a great time together. Great way to come back. And and the waters were churning and new life was happening. And and as people were going down, they are representing the old man and coming back up and being made new and showing that. For all to see. What a great thing. Incredible, incredible stuff. But the waters are now still. I don't know if you noticed that. The waters were kind of all churned up, but, and it's dark over here, so you guys can't see, but I can, and all that water that had been turned over is now back to still, which means we need to get some more people saved, we need to get some more people baptized so that water gets turned over again, Okay. And, and while I'm saying I'm back from vacation, I, I would say that I'm ready, and I, I hope you are. I hope you are, too. I love still waters. Still waters are great. Still waters are relaxing. If you've never had opportunity to sit on a dock with your Bible and a coffee over still waters, you don't know what that's like. It's such a relaxing, restorative thing. But still waters, if left for a while, become stale waters. If we, if we left this baptismal here forever, which we're not going to do, because right after service, we've got to take it down, because tonight we have a kids' production and musical, and I'm excited about that, and parents, we need your help resetting the stage immediately after service, so make sure to stick around for that. But say we were going to leave this baptismal here forever, after... A few weeks, that still water, which is relaxing, you know, Psalm 23, he leads me beside, still waters restores my soul, that's great, but that still water becomes stale waters, and say we left it even a little bit longer, say we left it like three, four months or a year, still waters become, stale waters become stagnant waters. Things start to grow in it, fungus and green things. And that's not nearly as relaxing or as restorative as still waters. Still waters you want to sit over. I don't know anybody who pulls out their Bible and takes a cup of coffee and gets over the top of a pond that's stagnant and stinky and green. But if you don't want stagnant waters, if you don't want stale waters, you got to stir the water. you got to have new water coming in. A spring that's fresh, pouring in, and you got to have something that's pouring back out. Otherwise, the water becomes stale and stagnant if you do not stir it. And what I think is interesting is that on one end of the spectrum, you have water, which needs to be stirred. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have fire, which also needs to be Stirred. When I was first the youth pastor here at Praise, um, we were doing retreats, and as part of the retreats, we would have just a weekend set aside for our students to really have opportunity to interact with and and learn about and get to know God, have experiences with God in that. Incredible amount of work to do that. Incredible amount of effort to put into that, to go do those retreats. And thankfully, we had an incredible staff who did it. An incredible group of sponsors who participated in it, and they weren't paid a dime. And so I always wanted to, at these retreats, I would always want to give, make sure that they got something out of it as well, not just the students, but the staff as well. And so the very first time that we were doing a retreat, I told the staff, I said, hey, here's what I want you to do, day two, I want you to get up really early in the morning. And, and really early in the morning, at retreats like 8 a.m. Because of the fact that they're up until like 3 a.m., right? So I said, I know you're not going to get any sleep, but I want you to be at the fire pit at 8 a.m. And so they said, okay, fine. So the next morning, I got up at 6 a.m., and I went down to that fire pit. And I took two sticks, and I rubbed them together, and I started a fire. And <laughs> So I started a fire. That's all you need to know. And uh, it started this really nice, good-looking fire, like totally you know, manly fire. And it was really a good-looking fire. The flame was good. It was beautiful fire, well put together. You all would be very impressed if you saw this fire. And I burned the thing from 6 a.m. till about 7.30 a.m. adding fuel to make sure that it was a good, good fire. And then about 7.30 a.m., I stopped adding new fuel to it. And I stopped stirring it. So all the staff started Filtering down right around 8 a.m. I didn't say a word to them. I was going for the uh, wise old sage at 25 years old. And so I'm sitting around this, what is left of this fire that's mostly coals and some logs that, they're good logs, but they kind of have started burning down and out. So I'm sitting there, and I didn't say a word. And they come down, filter around. They're talking to each other, and I still don't say anything. They're talking. And eventually they stop talking. I wait till they stop talking and I say, this was a beautiful fire. It was hot. It was a good-looking fire. But I haven't stirred it in a while. And I haven't added new fuel to this fire in a while. And now it's burned down to where it's at now. I said, but if I just stir it a little bit, I bet you it'll start right back up. So I took the stirrer, and I stirred it up, and boy, it did. The fire started again and added a little fuel to it, and once again, it was burning hot and bright. And I didn't, like, explain the metaphor, if you didn't know that that was a metaphor. Didn't explain it at all. I Just let it sink in. I'm sure some people are still like, dude, that was super weird. But some people got it. The idea is this. If you don't stir a fire, it goes out. So if you don't stir water, it goes stale, stagnant. If you don't turn it, stir a fire, it goes out. So another thing that needs to be stirred. Nests need to be stirred. Because if you don't stir a nest, it gets too comfortable. If you don't stir it up, boy, you never want to get out of it, do you? At our house, we don't have many birds because we've got owls. I hear them at night. Saying, I want to eat little birds, is what they say. And if anybody knows how to see an owl, I've never seen them, I've only heard them. If you know how to do that, let me know, because I'm really interested in seeing them at some point. And we have coyotes, and so we don't see too many birds. But every year, there's a bird every year that decides to roost, or whatever you call it, make a nest right on our front porch, on the light right above our front porch. And the first year that happened, I was like, oh, this is so cool. I'm going to let my kids see the eggs and watch them hatch and see baby birds. And I was so excited about it. And so I did. We brought the kids out, and they heard the birds chirping. And, and we let them, like, touch all the birds because I guess the moms like that when you do that. And so, no, I'm just kidding. So, but I let them see all the birds, and they were super excited about it. And it was super cool, and everybody was happy. And then I saw how much those birds poop. Like, all over my front yard or front yard stoop thing. And there's bird poop everywhere. And so I said, that is never happening again. So the next year, as soon as that same bird came back, because I guess they do that, that same bird came back, made a nest again. You know what I did? I knocked it down. And the next year, I know, heartless. The next year, the bird came back. I knocked the nest down again. The third year, I totally didn't think about it. was coming in through the garage most of the time. didn't come in the front door. And so I got to it too late, and there's eggs in it. And I'm not a monster. So I let the bird stay and yet again poop all over my front. They poop more than I do. Anyway, so there's poop all over my front uh, uh, thing again. So I didn't knock them down until the birds kind of grew up and got out. And this year again, I didn't get to it in time. So right now there's a nest there. And the birds have moved on, though, because the birds grow up. Nest gets uncomfortable. It gets stirred. and As a result, they recognize that it's time for them to move on. And so then the birds head out, and then I can nest, kill and knock down the nest and clean up the poop. So you got water. That needs to be stirred, otherwise it gets stagnant. And you've got fire that needs to be stirred or it burns out. And then you've got nests that need to be stirred, otherwise it gets so comfortable that we never do anything. According to Scripture, there's one more thing that needs to be stirred. Our souls. 78 times in Scripture it says that our souls need to be stirred. 78 times it says it in Scripture vast majority of those times. It's talking about how God stirs our souls. I want to read a verse today um, and I'll read it really quick and you don't even need to turn to it because it'll be up on the screen. But I want to read a verse today that talks about how God stirs our souls. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 32. It's verses 11 and 12 and here's what it says says, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, burying them on its pinions. The Lord alone guided him. No foreign God was with him. So it compares God here to an eagle who stirs up the nest in preparation for these uh, baby eagles to kind of spread their wings. But even as the eagle does that, it doesn't just leave them alone, it's hovering, it's there, it's protecting, it's, it's, it's helping through the process, it's guiding every step of the way, and, and, and this verse says that God is just like that eagle. This verse was written by Moses, it's part of what's called the Song of Moses, written at the end of his life, or towards the end of his life, as he's looking back on what God did in the people of Israel, and it was God who did it, let's be really clear on that. Like, as you look at this, how many things does it say God did in this one verse? It says, like an eagle stirs up its nest that flutters over its young, spreading out its its wings, catching them, bearing them. The Lord alone guided him. This is God who is doing all of these things. And the reason why God is doing this is because he is preparing them for who he wants to make them. Okay? Okay? And all along in this process, they don't fully understand what's happening. This is what God's doing. But it's not until the end that Moses looks back and he goes, aha. Because when it started, when God first started stirring up the nast, they were still in Egypt. And boy, things were getting uncomfortable. But they didn't fully understand that God was making them into a nation who were going to be the people of God from whom would come the Messiah. They don't get all of that. And this is one of the biggest moments in the history of Israel. Up until Jesus Christ's coming, this is the biggest moment, I would say, in the history of Israel. Right here, what God is doing in the Exodus, right? But if you read this verse, then go back and read Exodus, you're like, oh, I see what God was doing there. See, there's some moments in our lives that we know without a shadow of a doubt, this is a big moment in my life. A wedding. We get a wedding. We know it's a big moment. We know coming up on it. We're not surprised by it. We know from the moment we propose, that day is going to be a big moment in my life, and my life will be changed, and I'll never be the same. Everything's going to change. We know when a baby's born. We, don't, we aren't surprised whoa, my life is different now. No more fun. No, that's not what I meant. (laughs) Baby's born. Wow, everything's different. It doesn't shock us because we knew already going into it, everything's going to change in that moment. So that's on one side of the spectrum where you know a moment's a big moment before it happens. On the other end of the spectrum, you have moments that you're like totally shocked by. Like you're going to the grocery store. And you don't expect that this day is a day when everything's going to change, but something happens and it changes your life forever. Or you go to the doctor's office and it's just supposed to be a checkup and boy, you know that this is just a normal occurrence and then all of a sudden everything changes, fundamentally changes your life and you were not expecting it. So, on one end of the spectrum, you've got moments that you know in advance, this is a big moment, it's gonna change my life. And then you've got these things that come out of nowhere that you aren't expecting. And then there's this middle area where you start sensing something. You feel it in your spirit. You know in advance, God's turning me over, He's stirring me up, He's preparing me. But you don't know what's coming. You know what I'm saying? Like you you have an advanced notion of the fact that this is going to be a big moment. But quite honestly, you don't know why. But you know that God is stirring your heart in advance of something that he's going to do. Okay? And the way that you figure it out is by knowing where in your own history you are. Right? For the people of Israel. It was a big historical moment for them. This was the thing that changed everything. And as you look at it in the history of the people of God, you understand, okay, this is what God was doing all along. He's providing direction, and he's guiding, and he's with us, and he's protecting, and he's covering us, and he's uplifting us, and he's helping us. But really, he's actually doing something bigger that has a long-term effect, You get it by recognizing where you are in the history of the people, of the community, of the congregation. So, where are we in the history of praise? We're 83 years into this thing. And it's crazy to think of, but I've been the pastor of this church now for coming up on four years. Like, I look at the wall out there that has all the pastors on it, and, like, I'm, like, the fifth longest-serving pastor, sixth longest-serving pastor. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's a really cool time that we get to be a part of, too. See, because we're reaping the benefit of seeds sown by those who've come before. Right? I've told you before, maybe I haven't told you enough, but next year we're paying off the facilities. Okay? Yeah? Here's what's cool about that. That is the result of the faithful sowing of seed by the current and former board. By the current and former treasurers. By Billy Burris and Ken Fent. This is seed sown by them that we get to reap the benefit of. Okay? And this is a cool moment to be in and be a part of Praise Assembly. Here's why. Because the question then becomes what's next? What do we step into? I would rather be proactive than reactive. I don't want to, okay, now what do we do? I want to make sure that we know where the Lord is leading. And as he's leading us, we step into it with confidence. So at the beginning of this year, we decided to put together a team. And we asked this team to interview people and talk to the people of this church that are in various areas of ministry and leadership and ask them, what are things like for you? in these facilities, I mean, as we're getting ready to pay it off, what's the next step? Do we need to build another facility? Is that... And that's where I felt like we were going to go. But I started sensing from the Holy Spirit that there was something else happening. And when the report came back, because I got it right before we went on vacation, when the report came back from this team, that's not what they said. And boy, without a shadow of a doubt, I knew immediately what the Holy Spirit was speaking. Without a shadow of a doubt. That when we pay off this facility, we are not supposed to go back into a building program but that we are supposed to keep our footprint small as far as our facilities is and take additional finances and time and energy and pour it into ministry. Pour it into outreach. Pour it into the lost. Pour it into helping people figure out. Hold on one second. Help, helping people figure out what it looks like to be deeply satisfied and to know their purpose and place in the Lord. Yeah. To pour it into people instead of additional facilities. To keep the footprint of the facility small and make sure that we are maintaining it, upkeeping it, and using it with everything we've got. Okay? What that does for us then is it provides financial freedom to be able to pour and do so much more than we've ever done before. Because, and I mean this, I want you to just wait one second for me. I am convinced 100% without a shadow of a doubt, and if you know me and if you've been a part of this church for any amount of time, you know that I don't make pronouncements like this. I believe we are on the verge of the greatest ministry that we have ever seen at Praise Assembly. And I don't say that just to hype us up. I say that because of the fact that I see the people who are here. We've never had the quantity of people that are here right now, along with the financial freedom that we are just on the verge of, the leadership that we've got. We've never had all these pieces together at one point. And I believe as a result of the seed sown and the seed that we are sowing now, new avenues of ministry which have never been open to us in the past, we're going to be able to walk down. So as the pastor of praise, I try to keep my finger on the pulse of the church, probably more than anybody else in this room, I can say with confidence, I do have my finger on the pulse of what's going on in this church, probably more than anybody else in this room. I pray for this church. I pray for the direction of this church and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying for those things, and I believe the Lord continues to speak to me in that regard by the power of his Holy Spirit. And so I continue to try to keep my finger on the pulse of those things. Well, let me tell you what I believe that the Holy Spirit is doing in this church right now. I believe he's stirring us. I believe he's stirring this congregation. Maybe you sense it. Maybe you sense just a little bit of uneasiness in your spirit, a little build, a bit of building anticipation. Maybe you think that something's not quite what it needs to be. I'm not satisfied with the status quo. There's got to be something more. What is my place in this thing? Where is my ministry? Where does God want me? What does this look like for me? Maybe that's what God is doing. Is he stirring this congregation in preparation for what he's going to do? Because I am convinced we're on the cusp of the greatest ministry unparalleled in the history of this church. So, I want you to do three things. I want you to start by praying. And you probably already pray for this church, and I'm so thankful if you do. But for this next year, I really am asking that you would be super intentional about praying. Pray for wisdom, and direction, and provision, and protection. And the covering of the Holy Spirit over the board, over the staff, over me, over our families. Why? Because I believe that as we're stepping into this, I do believe the enemy is going to attack us as well. Okay? So pray for these things. And dedicate yourself to it this next year. Dedicate yourself to praying over these things and praying for those to continue to happen. And I believe, I I believe, I believe... We're already, I I believe the Holy Spirit's been speaking to us already as a staff. We've been seeking him and and just really trying to figure out what is the next step. And as we're praying over those things, I believe he's been leading us. And I have a feeling I know some of where this thing is going. Okay? But I need you to pray for this next year for these things. Okay? Second thing I'm going to ask for is that you would expect Allow the Holy Spirit to take that unsettled anticipation and turn it into expectation. Begin to expect every Sunday for the Holy Spirit to move powerfully. Begin to expect for good things to continue to happen. Continue to expect people to be saved and the power of the Holy Spirit to lay hold of people and change their lives. Expect those things. Don't allow it to just remain as a, something unsettled in your spirit. Change it into expectation. Third thing is to stir. Okay? Vast majority of the times, 78 times in scripture that talks about stirring, it's God who's doing the stirring. But not Always. In fact, there are multiple places in Scripture where God expects us to stir our own souls, to stir our own hearts. One of the most beautiful and painful but beautiful books in the entire Bible is Hosea. It's that prophet who, through the unfaithfulness of his wife, he saw their own unfaithfulness to God. and There in Hosea chapter 7, he compares the people to a baker who forgets to stir the oven. So he lights a fire in an oven in preparation for baking some bread. Here's what it says in Hosea 7.4. They are all adulterers. They are like a heated oven whose baker ceases to stir the fire from the kneading of the dough until it is leavened. So in other words, you have this baker who's preparing this loaf of bread and starts the fire in the oven and then comes over here and makes the dough and kneads it and then allows it to rise and punches it down and allows it to rise. Goes through the whole process. But somewhere along as he's working on the loaf of bread or he's working on the dough, he forgets to stir the fire. So while he's doing the work over here, the fire goes out. And now he can't bake the loaf of bread that he put all the energy into. So he should have stirred the fire while doing the work. It was his responsibility. And it's our responsibility to stir. In fact, there are, in the New Testament specifically, there are three very specific things that it tells us to stir. Three very specific things that it tells us to stir. So welcome to Stir. What we're going to do over three weeks is we are going to talk about each of those three scriptures. Very specific things that God tells us to make sure that we keep stirred. Those fires that we're making sure that we're stirring even as he is stirring our souls. And while we do this, what I'm asking is that you would pray... That you would expect and that you would stir. Because I, I am fully convinced, fully 100% convinced that the best days are legitimately just ahead. And I've never said that as the pastor of praise. I believe that those good seeds sown, we're going to see the harvest of. But even as we're seeing that harvest, we're going to continue to sow seed. There are such good things happening, and there's so much good just ahead. So don't let it stay as just an unsettled expectation or anticipation. Allow it to change into expectation. God is a stirring God, so may we be stirring people. Okay? All right. I believe that God has been stirring us and maybe that looks like for you again, you're asking that question, what is my place? Where is this ministry? What's next? What does God have for me? I believe God is doing something in your life and I think it's a larger part of what God is doing in this community. And I think there are so many good things just to come. So don't miss out on it. Make sure that you're expecting, make sure that you're praying And make sure that you're stirring. Join us for the next three weeks. Even if you have to miss something cool that you had planned on a Sunday morning. Don't miss these next three weeks. Because I think they are vital for us. For understanding what this next year looks like for us. And even more than that. What is to come in this church. Good things coming. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And if you're in here, of course, the greatest calling that God puts out. That unsettles our spirit. The greatest way that he unsettles he stirs us in preparation for calling us and doing something in our lives is when it comes to salvation. Isn't that how he works? He makes us unsettled. Something's not right. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. And if you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never declared that he is the Lord of your life, if you've never believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then today is the day when you can do that. And until you do that, you will always be unsettled. You will always, there's something wrong. It's not right. And until you get that right, boy, nothing else will fall into place. We need Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. And he's the Lord. So declare that. And even as I pray today, I want you to pray that with me. I'm excited for what's ahead. Probably never been so excited. But I'm ready for it. And it's building inside of me and I hope it's building inside of you. There's good stuff. Good stuff to come. Father, we come to you today as a people who you stir. All through scripture, you're stirring. You don't allow us to get stagnant. You don't allow the fire to go out. You don't allow us to get so comfortable that we don't step into what you're calling us to, oh God. You stir us instead. And Father, right now I believe and have for some time, I believe you are stirring this congregation. There's just a little bit of an unsettledness. What what is this going to entail? Where are you taking us? What are you doing? But God, until we see it in the rearview mirror, we won't fully know what it was that you were doing all along. And I know we're on the cusp of just incredible things happening here. Things that we have not seen in the past 83 years. It's coming. And so God, I just pray that that anticipation would turn into expectation. And Father, that your spirit would continue to turn over our hearts until we step into those things that you've called us to, oh God. Father, I pray for those who are in this room right now who have never put their faith in Jesus Christ, who have never made him the Lord of their lives. Right now, in this moment, I just pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would just speak to their hearts and say, this is the only way you will find deep satisfaction. This is the only way you will find purpose. And more than that, this is the only way that you will find salvation is in Jesus Christ. And I pray right now, just with their mouths, they would begin to say, O oh Lord, you are my Lord. You are Lord of my life. They would declare that, that they would say that the scriptures are true and Jesus Christ did die for my sins and was raised again. And Father, as they do that, O oh Lord, I just pray that you would lay hold of them and they would see salvation. Work in them right now, I pray. Have your way in this congregation we have. And in all of it, we'll give you all the glory, honor, and praise. We thank you for it. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do even as you go today. Boy, just let it start to stir inside of you. Let it stir. But then don't just leave it as an unsettled anticipation. Allow it to become expectation. And allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into what that next step is for you. I've asked our prayer team to come down even this morning. And as they're here, they're willing and able to pray with you today. And not just today, but all week long. They've committed that if you come and ask for prayer for anything this morning, that they will not just pray with you now, but pray with you all through this week. So as I dismiss and others head out, instead of heading out, if you need prayer for anything, would you just step out and come down to the front and pray with them this morning? And if you're in here and you just put your faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time, if you declared that he was Lord of your life for the very first time, don't, don't head out before you take a moment and head down to this group of people who would love to pray with you and kind of talk about the next steps. Thank you for joining us this morning. Boy, allow it to become expectation. And allow the Holy Spirit to stir up your soul. And even as you go, don't let it stay in here. May it stir you up. And as it stirs you up, pray, expect, and stir your own heart. Thank you for joining us today. God bless you as you go. If you need prayer for anything while others head out, would you head down to the front this morning?